if you have a Bible, turn to the first chapter of Romans. First chapter of Romans. Uh, we'll read a, a pretty familiar passage of Scripture if you've been around the church for a while. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Father, thank you in the name of Jesus for being here. Grateful, Lord, for this opportunity to worship, to celebrate you. Thankful, O oh Lord, that you are bigger and better and stronger and greater, that you are good, that your mercy endures forever. Thank you for saving us and redeeming us. And Lord, may now you speak to us through your word. We honor your word. We, we, we approach your word and say, God, speak to us, convict us, draw us by your spirit, and may you be glorified above all things. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Everybody says, amen. amen. And also, we're having tacos Wednesday. So, come be with us on Wednesday night. We eat at 6.30. We talk about Jesus at 7. So, uh, come and, and be with us on Wednesday nights. I know you'll have a good time. All right, chapter 1 of Romans, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. I want to share a message with you this morning. I'm entitled, Where There Is Faith. Uh, we're probably going to take a look at this over a, a couple of weeks, but uh, I want to, to lay some groundwork here this morning. We're going to talk about the beauty and the wonder and the power of faith. Um, maybe nothing spectacular or, or revelatory is going to happen here this morning, but maybe it will. But what we want to do is encourage you in your walk of faith, to encourage you uh, to keep moving forward in faith. So, where there is faith. There are certain things in life that leave evidence that they've been there, right? Those of us who have smaller children, how many of you can admit there's always evidence that they've been around, right? Um, our boys were grounded from the PlayStation for two days because Logan's bedroom was gross. It was just a mess, right? I, I don't... I don't remember, maybe Dad could remind me, but I don't remember being in my bedroom. First of all, we didn't normally eat in our bedroom. We ate at a table, right? We ate at, at a table. Um, very rarely, our bedrooms were upstairs, so very rarely did I have food up there. But I don't remember taking a snack up there, eating the snack, and just randomly throwing the trash wherever. <laughs> I don't remember drinking water, and when I'm done, just toss the bottle in the corner. I don't remember that happening. Uh, I don't know. Did y'all did y'all do that? My kids do. My kids do. Um, I mean, I'm grateful. Logan drinks literally basically nothing but water and milk. And so there are like, there is literally a landfill of plastic water bottles in his bedroom. And I, I don't know, I don't, I appreciate his healthy attitude. Uh, but clean your trash, son, right? Because anywhere kids are, there's evidence. It, and I don't, have you ever had the opportunity to clean your home and then as you go through the house and come back around, they've already made a mess where you started? Right? It's, like, it's a constant cycle. Clean this, clean this, clean this, clean this. I thought I cleaned this, right? Uh, because they've been there, right? Uh, a good dinner normally leaves behind evidence, right? If you've had a really good dinner, there's normally evidence. There's the dishes, there, there's the happy faces, or there's the groaning, or there's, there's the, I ate too much, right? There's always evidence that, you've, that, that something has, has happened. Anytime we have a dinner here at the church, it's hard to have a church service because everybody smells what's happening in the basement, right? Because there's evidence that it's been here. 
If there's a fire, there's, there's evidence that a fire has taken place, whether it's something that's been burnt, whether there's ashes or the smell or the smoke or whatever. In other words, there are certain things in life that when they happen or when they're happening, there's going to be evidence. You're going to know that something happened. There's no mistaking something happened. And I believe that this is the reality of faith, or at least should be the reality of our faith. The reality of our faith should be that when faith is present, there will be, inf- there will be evidence of its power and its influence. See, there's a lot of people that say we have faith, or I walk in faith, or I walk by faith. But if there is faith, there should be some type of evidence that there is. Faith will always leave a mark. It will always make a difference. Faith changes everything. There was an old song by For Him that was entitled, Where There is Faith. And the chorus says, Where there is faith, there is a voice calling, Keep walking, you're not alone in this world. Where there is faith, there is a peace like a child sleeping, hope everlasting, and he who is able to bear every burden, to heal every hurt in my heart. It is a wonderful, powerful place where there is faith. This is the definition of what it means to be a Christian. Believers are literally called the household of faith. We are people defined by faith. We are motivated by faith. And Paul says in this passage of Scripture that we live by faith. This passage in Romans is the essence of the power of faith and what it means to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. Paul begins by celebrating the power of the gospel, that when it is believed upon, saves sinners, whether they be Jew or whether they be Gentile. And then he celebrates the beauty of righteousness by quoting Habakkuk, by saying, the just shall live by faith. And it seems as though Paul is making two powerful points about faith here. Number one, life comes by faith. The Bible tells us that without Christ, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. We need to understand something, that apart from Christ, we're not just messed up. We don't just have a problem. We we don't just have pain. We don't just have heartache. We're not just broken. We are dead. We are dead in our trespasses and sins. And the Bible tells us that, unfortunately, here's an inconvenient truth, that apart from God, we are under wrath. We are not right with God. We are separated by our sinful nature. This is where the message of the gospel begins. The gospel means good news. But in order to understand the good news, we have to understand the bad news. And the bad news is is that sin has destroyed and drained and poisoned everything that exists. And it declares over us that we are dead. But by placing our faith and our trust in Christ, the Bible says we are made alive by the grace of God. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. This is the gospel that Christ came to save sinners if we will believe. I know that that's not the most popular message anymore because what we want to preach is that God loves you and God wants you to be happy And as long as you're happy, then who cares what anybody thinks? And I get it. I want you to be happy too. But I also don't want you to go to hell. And so the truth of the matter is that Christ came to save sinners, of which we are apart 
from the grace of God. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. There are none of us in here today that are saved because we had enough good deeds piled up. Because what we have done is better than somebody else. Or because you look pretty. Or because you're talented. Or because you attend church. Or because you're good. We are, we are saved because of the grace of God. That's the message of the gospel. But not only does that mean that we have life by faith. Number two, the point he makes is, is that now we live by faith. So if life has come by faith, then living that life must be fueled by faith. That if faith... In the grace of God is literally what resurrected us and gave us spiritually new life. Then in order to live out that life, we must continue to walk by faith. The point is, is that righteousness is the fruit of faith. And let's, let's make something abundantly clear. The, the message of salvation is that we are made righteous. We are made right by God. Not that we are made good. Uh, there's an old saying that says, Jesus did not t- come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. And so the, the fact of the matter is, we're not trying to be good for God. Right? We're not trying to act in a certain way in which we get God's approval. What we do is we surrender to his grace and we are made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are placed in right standing with God. This is the fruit of faith. But not only is righteousness the fruit of faith, righteousness produces fruit in our lives. If we have been made righteous, then it should come out in the way that we live. Jesus makes this same point when he says we know a tree by its what? Fruit. We know a tree by its fruit. I'm not necessarily a a tree person. I can't necessarily point out every tree, but I'm not too dumb to recognize if I see an apple hanging on it, it's probably an apple tree. How many of you can agree with me on now? It's an apple tree, right? I, I'm, I'm not a botanist. I'm, I, don't, I, don't, you know, I don't work for the Department of Agriculture. But there's an apple. That's an apple tree. Now, I don't know what kind of apple it is, but it's an apple, right? So we recognize that if righteousness is a part of our lives, then it should be, it should be manifested in how we live. It should be manifested in the life that we live because where there is faith there will be evidence by the way that we live, right? One of the most simple examples I've heard about faith is, is that, you know, if we put a chair out here, I can tell you all day that I believe the chair is going to hold me. But until I sit down, you don't believe whether I believe, right? I can sit all day and talk about how much I believe this chair is going to hold me, but until I sit down, I have yet to exercise faith. Faith will be evidenced by the way we live. So obviously, as the foundation here, life comes by faith, and we live by faith. And then we define, what is faith? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, obviously gives us the biblical definition of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So, in other words, if it's substance, it means it makes tangible what has only been hoped for. Something that we're only hoping for is actually tangible. It's, even though it might be in the future, faith makes it present tense. It is, it is the substance of that which we have been hoping for, okay? Hope is not a bad thing. Lots of times in the faith circles, we've, we've downplayed hope as though hoping is, is something bad. Hope is actually the soil for faith. Because, because we have hope, because we believe, because hope is just anticipation of future good. That's all hope is. 
Hope is that the future, we believe that because God is God, that our future is going to be bright. Right? And so because of that, we have faith. But faith brings the hope from the future to the present tense. It's the substance. It's the evidence that what we cannot see is still real and in our possession. That even though we can't see it and it's not in our hands, we understand that what we can't see is still real. Right? That's the promise of faith. That's what Abraham did when he called those things that be not as though they were. He called those things that be not as though they were. God changed Abram's name to Abraham before he ever had a kid. Right? Abraham means father of a multitude. (laughs) That's faith. Right? You don't even have a kid yet, but you're the father of a multitude. Imagine walking around telling people, hey, I'm father of a multitude. Really, where's your kid? Ain't got any. Right? I don't have any. Right? But, I, but faith tells me I do. Faith tells me I do. I already see it. It is the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us it is by faith that we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, which means we know that what we see was not made with things that are visible. In other words, we recognize there is a world behind this world, that we are spiritual people living in a physical world, but there is a spiritual world behind this, and we recognize the reality of the existence of God and His work in our universe by faith. Faith originates with God. The Bible says that He has given to every man the measure of faith, and faith leads us to God, making it possible for us to have a relationship with the Creator of the world. This is the beauty and the wonder and the power of faith. So make no mistake about it. None of us are saved because we had the ability to do so. The only reason why we had faith to believe is because God gave us the faith. And in our faith, trust in the grace of God, redeeming us from our sin. So some of us may think that we saved ourselves. No, you didn't. And you can't, right? It is by faith that we receive the blessings of God. And by faith that we praise Him when we don't see the blessings. Faith is a firm, confident trust that God is who He says He is and will do what he says he will do. See, biblical faith is not just believing. Biblical faith is trusting. And trusting means that I I believe God even when I don't necessarily understand or when I don't see or when it doesn't seem like it's happening. I still trust and believe. Why? Because I know who I place my trust in. I know who he is and what he has done. I've seen his character. I've seen his faithfulness. I've seen his promises fulfilled in my life. I've I've watched his word work in me. My trust is not based in my ability or my circumstance or my situation. My trust is based in him and who he is and what he has said. It is a wonderful, powerful place where there's faith. And this is the kind of faith that the just live by. It is this kind of faith that is evidence that something has happened in our hearts. Something has happened in our hearts. I may have told you I got into this conversation with a guy on Twitter about how faith has fruit. And, you know, if if you truly have been saved, then it should be manifested in how you live. And he didn't agree with me. And I was like, then I don't even know if you know what Christianity is. It was a great conversation. Um, Well, the the point of the matter is... 
is that this kind of faith that is lived out shows the world that something's happened in my heart. Because the Bible tells me that faith without works is what? It's dead. Faith without works is dead. So if there's no action in your faith, it's already dead. Because of faith in the truth of the gospel message of the cross and the resurrection, we've been made righteous. And by righteous, as righteous people, we live out that faith. We can't really say we believe unless it has affected who we are and how we behave. And that means that we believe and we walk by faith despite what the world says, despite the roaring of the enemy or the temptation to compromise with our flesh. Faith holds on and believes that what righteousness has wrought in me is worth living. That the life of righteousness is worth living. Faith motivates us to live, and then we live from faith to faith. The powerful place of faith changes the world because it not only affects us, but it affects those around us. It is the people of faith that will bring the truth of God's saving power to our world. And it is people of faith that will bring God to the helpless and the hurting. The characteristics of this faith is, first of all, its source. Its source is knowledge. Faith is not blind. It's not based on fantasy or just what we want to believe or what we want to be true. Faith is based on the Word of God, and it's based on the God of the Word. It's based on God's Word, and it's based on the God that is revealed in the Word. See, we have to understand, because God is infinite and we are finite, we cannot know Him, we cannot experience Him, we cannot understand Him, we cannot learn of Him unless He decides to reveal Himself. Right. He must take proactive measures to reveal himself to us. And he has done that through his word. And so faith is based upon knowing what the word of God reveals about God himself. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. And faith comes by knowing. To know God is to trust him. To know God is to trust him. Now I, I get it. Knowledge can either bring trust or distrust. How many of you would agree with that? How many of you know somebody you don't trust? And it doesn't mean that you dislike them. You just don't trust them, right? There are certain people, I'm not leaving my kids with you because I don't trust you, right? If, if I had $1,000 and I told you to watch it, there are certain people I wouldn't ask to watch it. I don't trust you. Doesn't mean I don't like you. You're a great gal, great great guy, but don't touch my money because I don't trust you. And that's based on knowledge. That's based on what I know. I'm not making this assumption because of what somebody else has told me. I'm making this judgment. You're not supposed to judge. I'm making this judgment based upon knowledge. To know God is to trust him. Because he's faithful to his promises, faithful to his word, right? We live by faith because God has saved us, redeemed us, and made us his own. We live by faith because we have seen his word work in our lives and his promises be fulfilled. We live by faith because God has proven himself. So faith is not based on some blind Sunday school lesson. Faith is based upon knowledge. Normally, if our faith is growing weaker, there's probably a disconnect between us and our relationship with God already. Number two, faith's product is obedience and holiness. What, what is the truest evidence of a life of faith? First of all, it will lead to a life of obedience. 
Hebrews chapter 11 is a testimony of a hall of people whose faith is celebrated simply because they obeyed God. Simply because they heard what God said and they did it. And then there's a whole chapter written about them. They are the fathers and the mothers of faith. They are the ones that we will celebrate in heaven. They are the ones that are inspirations to us as we continue to walk forward because they decided simply to obey God. They just obeyed God. Right? The resume is not necessarily always the greatest. Maybe some of them were kings. Some of them were prophets. But some of them were prostitutes. But because they decided to live by faith, God wrote their name down. Because they decided to live in obedience to God. Faith always motivates us to live in obedience to God's word. In obedience to what God has said. In obedience to God's commands. Not only that, faith rejoices in the commands of God. And obedience always leads to holiness. A fiery desire to please God will drive us to purity and it will drive us to a hatred for sin. One of the manifestations that we are walking by faith is that we recognize that in holiness there is greater joy. In holiness there is greater fulfillment and satisfaction. That what the world promises us, that what the flesh says will satisfy us, we know is a lie. Because faith has declared, I will live in purity and holiness. Faith leads us to want to be separate from the world as we are shaped by the priorities of the kingdom instead of the priorities of the world. The fact of the matter is our faith is going to be shaken in these last days. You know, Jesus looked at Peter and said, Satan has desired to have you that he might sift you like wheat. And I've prayed that your faith not fail. And that is our prayer. I pray that your faith not fail. Because there is coming a time where there will be people who fall away from the faith. Fall away from the convictions that they once held. There is a shaking coming. There is a separation coming. Faith knows that I'm going to live in obedience and holiness. Number three, faith works by love. Paul tells us in Galatians that neither circumcision or uncircumcision matters in the light of the gospel, but only faith that works by love. We've been reading the book of Galatians, myself and Logan and Avery, and so it's an interesting conversation when you describe what circumcision is to an 11-year-old and a 9-year-old. But obviously what Paul is saying there, it doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or whether you're a Gentile. It doesn't matter what your background is. It does, that doesn't matter. What matters is faith that works by love. Now, what's that mean? Faith without works, the Bible tells us, is dead. But what is the true motivation of our actions as people of faith? What is it that motivates us to act in faith? It's love. Love for God, love for people. Because we love God, because we love people, we act in faith. Love gave us the inspiration to believe in the first place. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The message of the gospel is is that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That God commended his love toward us. And because God has loved us, it awakened our hearts to the reality of the need for grace. So it's the love of God for us that inspired us to walk in faith in the first place. And it's the reality of the life-changing love that inspires us to trust that God's love continues to desire to bless us. Do you know that your father loves you? Do you know that your father wants the best for you? 
You know, that your father wants to bless you. That it is his desire to give you the kingdom, the Bible says. That if your earthly father knows how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? How much more shall your heavenly father give good gifts or give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? It is love that recognizes that God desires to bless us. It's the reality of this love that causes us to continue to believe God in spite of what we are going through. That even though we are going through something and we don't fully understand, because we know God loves us, we know that he's working all things out for our good. That's what he said. That's what faith tells us. And because God loves us, it motivates us to serve in a way that honors him and honors other people because faith works by love. Love for God, love for people. Number four, this characteristic of faith is that it is fuel to prayer. Faith and prayer must mix if we desire to receive from God. And I want to say this. It's not begging or emotionally pleading that gets God's attention. Faith gets God's attention. Now listen, I'm not saying, I, listen, I'm not saying that there hasn't been times that I haven't begged. How many of you begged in prayer? Begging, beg, beg, beg. Right? Begged, cried, got emotional. Right? And a lot of people think, well, you know, if you don't get emotional, then you didn't really feel it. Right? Then it wasn't really real. But God's not really looking for tears. He's not looking for begging. He's not looking for an emotional manipulation. God is not into making deals. Right? We're not spinning a wheel and hoping God answers the way we want him to answer. That's not how it works. God is moved by faith. Faith in him. Faith in what he is and what he has promised. Faith fuels prayer to not only happen. Right? We pray because we have faith. Right? There's no need to even pray if, if we don't already believe that God hears prayer. Right? What does James say? James say that if we are double-minded, if we're being tossed about by every wind of doctrine, if we're full of doubt, what's he say? Don't think that you will receive anything from God. I preached a sermon one time called, What Did You Think Was Going to Happen? Right? And, and, and when, we, when we think about it, if we're not operating in faith, if we're not going to the Lord in prayer, what do you think was going to happen? Let not that man think that he'll receive anything from God. He's double-minded. He's unstable in all his ways. You mix prayer with faith. So faith not only drives us to prayer, but it makes our prayers persistent, unyielding, confident. Right? Because I believe that God hears my prayers. I believe that the most powerful place on this planet is the place of prayer mixed with faith. Faith-filled prayer is the most powerful place on this planet. Mary, Queen of Scots, said, I fear the prayers of John Knox greater than all the armies of Scotland. We have to recognize that there is a wonderful, powerful place in faithful prayer. Prayer rises with fire, and what fuels that fire is our faith. Prayer is fuel to prayer. Faith is fuel to prayer. And number five, of course, faith is a shield. Faith, we know, is a part of the armor of God. And the Bible says it alone quenches the fiery darts of the enemy. Faith is what protects us from the lies of the devil and from the lies of the world. Because we have placed our faith and our trust in the truth of God's word, we are able to see the lives and the seductive spirits that are meant to try to pull us away from the purpose of God. 
Faith is that shield that lifts up and says, I will not listen to the lies of the world simply because being more biblical makes people more uncomfortable. Right? And I really believe in the day and age that we live in, church, we don't need to become less biblical. We need to become more biblical. We need to stand firmly upon the, on the faith that was once delivered unto us. So we need to stand firmly on what we know the Word of God has said because only this will quench the lies of the devil. And only this extinguishes the fear that comes with the lies. Make no mistake about it. The devil wants you to live in fear. He wants you to be afraid. He wants you to be uncertain. He wants you to feel like you can't. You're not going to make it. You're not going to get through this. He's going he's to try to convince you that what you believe isn't true. He's going to try to convince you that what you believe doesn't work. He wants to trap you and paralyze you in fear. Faith extinguishes fear. But it has to go. Always remember, where does our faith come from? It comes from knowledge. We have to know. We have to know. There is a place. There is a place. You know the story in the Bible about Elijah being fed by the ravens, right? And there's a, there's a famous phrase there in that verse of Scripture. He says, go to the brook Kidron, and I will feed you there. There. I'm going to feed you at the brook. I'm not going to feed you over by the rock or the, or the palm tree or whatever, the olive tree. I'm not going to feed you on top of the mountain. I'm not going to feed you at the house. I want to feed you there. You have to go to there to get fed. Right? In the middle of a famine, a drought that Elijah had prophesied. Elijah's like three and a half years, it's not going to rain. And all of you are going to be upset. And I'm going to be sitting by the brook, eating food, delivered by Grubhub Ravens. Right? I'm going to be taken care of in the middle of the famine. Faith sometimes makes you look dumb. But there's a place, there is a place of victory in faith. It's the place where God wants us. And that's that's where we have to get down in our hearts. God wants us to know his, wants us to know this deep confidence in him and his ability to do what he says he will do in our lives. The Bible tells me that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Here in this place, God brings us to know his greatest blessings. Faith, this place of faith is the place where God wants us to stay, which means that this is, where the, place, this is the place the devil wants you to leave. The devil wants you to leave this place of faith to go to the place of doubt, to the place of fear, the place of uncertainty. He wants you to go to the place where you begin to question God and his character and his purpose for your life. Begin to question his word and, and not be for sure of, of who you are and what he has said. Always remember, the devil, and as I said this a minute ago, Jesus said, you know, Peter, Satan desires to have you that he might sift you like wheat. And, and what, I, what, I, what is so fascinating about that passage of scripture is that Peter, Jesus doesn't pray that Peter doesn't go through the sifting. Which, that would have been my prayer request, wouldn't it? If you were here on, on Wednesday night, we take prayer requests. I would have raised my hand and said, Satan desires to sift me. I'd rather not be. Right? You know, it's like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. What would have been your prayer? Right? Kill the king. Right? 
Lord, kill the king. Just kill him. Right? Just kill him. Lord, break the thermostat. I just pray that the thermostat breaks. Break it. Right? Not take me through it. Not dance around in the fire with me. That would have not been my prayer. I just don't want to go at all. I just don't want to be sifted. But Jesus didn't say, I pray that you don't have to go through it, Peter. He said, I, I pray that your faith not fail. Make no mistake about it, folks. The devil wants your faith. See, we, we look at the externals. If we're sick, we think the devil wants our physical body. We think, we think the devil wants uh, our marriages or the devil wants our finances. You know, the devil's attacking my finances. The devil's attacking me physically. The devil's attacking me emotionally. I get all that, and he is. I get it. But what he wants is your faith. What he wants is your faith. And this is why faith is the victory. Not the answer to the prayer. Faith is the victory. Because it places you in a spot that God wants you to be. Deeply confident in who he is and what he's going to do. This is a place where God wants us. This is a place where God provides for us. As we saw from Elijah, God was provided because of, God provided for Elijah because of faith. But the place of faith keeps us in the place of provision. We believe that God is the provider, right? It allows us to live in peace knowing that God will provide what we need and even what we desire. The Bible tells us that when we delight ourselves in the Lord, He gives us the desire of our hearts. What is it that we need? God knows that too, right? God knows what it is that we need. God knows what the sifting is for and what it will produce. And so God knows how to take care of us in the times of sifting by providing us the strength, the peace, the hope to get through the sifting, to get through the battle, to get to the other side. And then God's also going to provide for us even when it seems like that we can't. I mean, we all know, look, I mean, let's not dance around the issue. We all know that we're in an inflationary time in our economy, right? How many of you hate to stop and get gas? Hate to stop and get gas, right? And it's always, it's always an argument. And, of course, it's even higher in West Virginia than it is in Kentucky because why not? West Virginia's already poor. Let's just pour some taxes on them. We understand that. We understand our money doesn't go as far as it used to go. Right? Do you remember when you went to Taco Bell and, and you didn't have to pray that you had enough money in the bank to get a taco? Right? Now you're making life-changing decisions in the Taco Bell drive-thru. Going through the checkbook, do I have camp? It's either electricity or a taco. I can eat a taco in the dark. Right? Shouldn't be making life-changing decisions at the gas pump. Right? So we recognize that, that the world around us is not always working for us. Right? I mean, we... we, we are, can I, can I say this, and, and please don't get frustrated with me, but, you know, walking by faith recognizes that God is good and God takes care of us. I get frustrated that as people of God that we blame God for stuff that is not God's fault. Right? Um, like, 
God, why can't you make the gas cheaper for me? Okay, God doesn't control the gas price. I get it, right? And there's a lot of times, you know, like, well, why? Why did, why did God let me get sick? Well, it might be because you eat 16 hot dogs a day and, and, and never take a walk. I, I, I don't know. Maybe that's me. I, did I say that? I don't know. I didn't say that. Right? We, we blame God. Why did you let this happen to me? Okay? Well, maybe, you know, because we're stupid sometimes. Right? Right? And, and, and then we blame the devil. You know, it's like you, you stub your toe on the dresser. What did the devil put that dresser there for? He didn't. You did. You put the dresser there. Right? We, we, we want to blame God when, when we, need, we need to recognize God is working for us, but sometimes we're working against Him. Right? It, it does us no good to yell at the devil when we haven't done the first thing that, that, that the product of, of faith is, which is obey. Maybe we should obey first before we start yelling at make-believe demons. I'm not saying demons aren't make-believe. They are real. But we like to blame the devil on the fact that we're just not obeying God. God protects us. God takes care of us. Yes, he does. But it's a place. you got to stay in the place. All right? When, when the walls of Jericho were falling, the, the spies told Rahab, put out a scarlet thread, and when we see that scarlet thread, we won't kill you or whoever's in the house. So they said, tell your family they better be in the house. Because if they're not in the house, they're going to crumble with the walls. Folks, you've got to be in the household of faith. Get in the house. You want to be protected? Get in the place of faith. It's a place we all know is a place of salvation, which also means it's a place of healing. It's a place of deliverance. It's a place of safety. It's a place of peace. It's the place of hope. Everything begins with this redeeming grace of God that collides with faith and changes us. But our faith is the gateway to receiving every blessing from God. Right? By faith is how we walk in victory. It's how we move forward. So it is a place of salvation. I am saved. And because I am saved, I am delivered. And I am healed. And I am protected. And I am provided for. And I am filled. And I have hope. And I have peace. And I can face tomorrow. This is the place of salvation that's found in faith. Let me get through this quickly. Where there is faith, there is a place of possibility. We all know that God is the God of the possible. The Bible says there's nothing too difficult for God. And I typed the wrong two in there. I'm sorry. I shouldn't even preach anymore. It's got T-O. There's nothing too difficult for God. What in the world? That should be T-O-O. There's nothing too difficult for God. He is the healer, the provider, the deliverer, our strong tower, our defender. How many of you know that the devil doesn't even compare? It's not yin and yang. It's not God arm wrestling with the devil. It's Jesus tap dancing on his head. There's nothing too difficult for God. He made the world. He spoke the universe into existence. He holds the stars in his hand. He uses the earth as a footstool. The nations are a drop in the bucket. 
From everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. There's nothing too difficult for God. But the Bible says that there's nothing impossible to him that will believe. My gosh. There's nothing impossible in the place of faith. Faith literally lives in the miraculous. It lives in the supernatural. Faith is the place of possibility. You don't think it can happen? Walk by faith. Walk by faith and it changes everything. And finally, where there is faith, there is the place of opportunity. Faith will put you in the best position for success. Let me, let me tell you that. Success. I'm talking in every area of life. When you make Christ the priority of your life, your faith in Jesus the priority of your life, if you seek first the kingdom of God, then all these other things will be added unto you. You want success in your life? Start with faith. You want your marriage to be successful? Start with faith. You want your business to be successful? Start with faith. You want to have money in the bank? Start with faith. Start with faith. Trusting God will open doors of blessing and provision. I've said many times before, God has made me look smarter than I am. God has put me in positions that I don't, shouldn't have been, simply because of the favor of God. Faith leads to wisdom that brings with it riches that the world can't even understand. You want to get smarter? Walk by faith. It'll make you look smart. It'll make you look like you know something. Because you do. You know somebody who's leading you to, a, to the place of victory, to the place of, of success. Faith opens up doors for you. It opens up doors for you to serve. It opens up doors for you to witness. It opens up doors for you to bless other people. It opens up doors for you to show the grace of God. Faith brings opportunity. Faith places you in positions where you can be successful as a child of God. Successful in a world that is contrary to the scriptures, it can still mean that God's favor is upon your life. I know he can. He will. God will take care of his own. Now, that, obviously, I understand. Faith, faith doesn't mean that we don't go through stuff. Some of the greatest victors in all of Scripture died for their faith. Martyrs whose lives were, were laid down because of their faith in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> because they decided to live by God, by faith, and by what God had planned for their life. I get it. I understand. Faith doesn't always mean that it's not going to be hard. Right? Faith means that when it is hard, I continue to move forward because opportunities are waiting for me to be blessed. Opportunities are waiting for me to know God even greater than I ever did before. Why? Because faith puts me in a place of opportunity. I want to encourage you here this morning. We live in a chaotic, crazy, even a scary world. And it seems like an oversimplified statement, but we need more faith. And we need more people of faith. Here in this place of faith is a sense of God's providence and a reality of God's beautiful purpose. Here in this place of faith, hope never dies and peace always reigns. Faith, the Bible says, is our victory that overcomes the world. And folks, faith is what's going to lead us home. Faith is what's got us to this point and faith will allow us to skip on streets of gold one of these days. And so as we move forward 
in a scary world, in a crazy world, with the economy going up and down, with wars taking place all over the place, with divisions on the political scale that we haven't seen in a long time. Everybody seems out of whack. We need more faith. We need people of faith. We need people who understand the providence of God, who understand the purpose of God, who understands that the most powerful place on earth is the place of faith. So I encourage you here this morning, go back to knowing. If you don't know him, you can't walk in faith. Know him. Know his word. Know, strive to pursue him, and faith will rise. Faith will rise. Bow your heads with me here this morning. Father, how grateful we are for your faithfulness to us. Thankful, Lord, that your promises are true. Thank you, Lord, that because of the cross and the resurrection today, we are redeemed. We can be saved. That sin no longer has to have a hold on our life. Thank you, Lord, that you have planted faith in our hearts and that in that place, oh God, is victory. And so I ask that you would encourage every heart here this morning. All of us go through times of doubt, uncertainty, fear. And I pray, oh Lord, that you would encourage faith here today. That you would light a flame of faith once again in our hearts. Call us to you, Lord, that we might know you in a way that builds unshakable faith. Thank you, Lord, for the miraculous. Thank you that the impossible can be possible because you, God, are good. Lord, rescue every hurting heart here today. Rescue every heart that is in fear. Bring us to your cross. And Lord, may today be the day that our lives are radically changed because of faith. 